Welcome to the Yeshiva Shalmaila. This is David Lichtenstein. This week we'll be speaking about navigating the halachic landscape of vacations. These are prior interviews. Uh, you know, many of us travel for vacation, so we'll have Rav Shloim Fishbein, the head of the CRC Kashrus, speaking about Kashrus on vacation, what you can buy in a store without a hefsha. Maybe you're traveling someplace outside of the United States where the OU isn't a common, uh, and you have to make a decision. What can you or can't you buy? We'll have Rav Gideon Weitzman, the Rav of the Poor Institute in Yerushalayim, summer tzniyas halachas, going mixed swimming with family members, taking a walk on the boardwalk, sitting next to women on planes. We'll have from Pine River, Rav of Pine River in Lakewood, New Jersey, Rav Daniel Neustadt, visiting Kivrei Tzadikim. Are you allowed to dive in to the dead or the schos of the dead, etc.? Can expectant ladies go to a Beisach Faris? A Kayin go to Kivrei Tzadikim? Putting on towels and tefillin by Kivrei Tzadikim? And more shilas that come up when we're vacationing. These are shilas that you'll not commonly find by opening up a sefer. So this space should, should be very informational and fascinating. Before we go to our program, I'd like to say a small vart. Next week is going to be Rish Chaydashel and... Everybody knows Elul is Ani L'daydi V'daydi Li. It's a time when they're Bainashalem, his love for Klal Yisrael, Klal Yisrael is love for him. But the Megala Mukais has a different tire on it. He says, what does Elul stand for? It makes Rashi Tevis, Oroin Luchais V'shivri Luchais. Everybody knows the Gemara Babavasra and Hashutfim that says, after Moshe Rabbeinu threw down the Luchais, the shards were lying at the bottom of the mountain. He collected them and he put the shivri luchais into the arain. So the arain, Elul is arain, luchais, v'shivri luchais, the broken pieces. What is he referring to? He's referring to that as we get close to Rosh Hashanah, it's the end of the year, we're looking back in our year. Often, a lot of our dreams, a lot of our plans, didn't work out exactly as planned. Somebody didn't get the memo. And what happens? We're looking, looking back over the year, often that... Some destruction, grief, pain, regret. The the Vel says of art that uh, you say, Eres Mireshis Hashana from the beginning of the year, Vaad Achris Shana. So the Vel says it says Mireshis Hashana. It should say Vaad Achris Shana. The layer that the Rabbi Shalom has his eyes on it from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. It doesn't say the end of the year, it just says to the end of year. So the Vel says, Mireshis, in the beginning you think it's going to be Hashana. This is the year, all my dreams, all my plans for myself, for my children, family, for my learning, for my Gashmias. This is going to be the year. And the end, Achris, Shana, just another year. It didn't really work out exactly as planned. Maybe some things did work out, but there's certainly a lot of tears, sweat, and aggravation along the way. So what do we do with these broken pieces? The Arain, the Luchais, but the Shivrei Luchais. How do we deal with the Shivrei Luchais? And why are they in the Arain? So the Megal Amukas is telling us we're coming to the end of the year, the broken, it's after Tishabav. Remember, Tishabav is the time of the year when our lives sometimes fall apart, the things that fell apart. So, but he says, the Shivri Luchas, remember, they're in the Arain. Let me tell you three stories. Slavery in the United States was alive and well, well into the 1800s, well after. England was Mavatalit, and in France, they annulled it. In the United States till the 1860s, it was a big part of our economy, certainly in the South. And then 
Lincoln was elected. And Lincoln was unusual. He was a very fatsara at the mensch. He's a person who suffered a lot. He was orphaned at the age of nine from his mother. His sister, Sarah, became his mother. She died when he was in his teens. He developed severe melancholia. Today, it's called depression, chronic depression. He suffered from it his whole life. Anybody who's had mental health issues, myself included, knows what it's like to have, you know, depression hounding you. They call it the black dog. He suffered from it his entire life. He then got married and two of his children died, one at four and one at 11. He went bankrupt in business. Pretty much most of the things that could go wrong went wrong in Lincoln's life before he became president. And he became very empathetic and he could feel the pain of other people. Some of the most beautiful letters written during the war were written to the mothers of soldiers who died. And he said, I was the one who could see the pain of the enslaved. Because to many people, it was like a natural event. The fact that slaves' families were broken up, their children were traded like, like cards, like baseball cards. The fact that they had absolutely no medical, no medical care. If their tooth became black, you know, they pulled it out with a plier, broken bones. You had to fix it yourself. They lived entire families in one, in one, in one thing, no heating, no cooling. They would typically work 15-hour days. But he, here was somebody who had suffered so much, he could empathize. What does it say by Klal Yisrael? You knew what it's like to have pain. That person can empathize with the pain of another. So here is somebody who took all his misfortune and he turned it into, he liberated with one of the scars of the world on the United States certainly was slavery. Only somebody with empathy says, I could see their pain. How we can take the shards of our grief and use it for something special. The Rashash of Shmuel Strashon lived in Vilna, and he was a Goyen. But you know, in Lita, they say every town had a Goyen. Every town had a Rav who knew Bavli or Shalmi, Very few were Zaycha to immortality and fame, you know, forever. So the Rashash was another Goyen. He lived in Vilna. He was a Balabas. He was wealthy. He was a well-to-do person. And he used to lend money as a taiva. One, one day a butcher came into him and he asked him for a halva and he gave him a loan. And he was deep in learning and he, you know, he, he gave the, as always, he always was, and he gave him the loan. A few weeks the guy came back on the day of the loan was supposed to be, maybe it was 90 days later, and he gave him back the money and Rishash thanked him and he put his head back into the seifa. A few months later he was looking at the people who owed him money and he saw this guy's name. He didn't remember getting the money back. He called the fellow back. And he said, you know, you, you, you owe me the money. He says, I paid you. You didn't pay me. I paid you. And Drashash had put it in the safer and put it in it. Drashash's library was famous library. Drashash library in Vilna was lost to the Nazis, was the most famous library in Vilna before the war, destroyed by the Nazis. So Drashash uh, took him to the entire, and he lost because it was, you know, uh, this, he, he didn't have it in writing, the loan. So it was, uh, you know, he said, Lahadam. He said, he said, I paid you back in full. He said, um, uh, he said, like, he said, the Bezna had to let him go. But afterwards, nobody believed him anymore. Who would buy from a butcher who Rashash claimed was a, was a liar and, in fact, a Ganif? And the guy ended up going broke. A few years later, Rashash takes down the Sefer, who knows, the Chuvas Marsheshach hadn't opened up in years. And he finds the money from the butcher. And he realized what a terrible mistake he made. And he went to the fellow's house and he, he asked him, Mechila. The guy looked at me and said, Look, you could ask me Mechila from today to tomorrow. My reputation was ruined. My family was ruined. 
my business was ruined. And now you'll say, you made a mistake. People will say, you, you feel bad for me. Nobody's going to buy from me again. I'm done. Hashash thought about it. He came back to the fellow and he said, listen, you have a son and I have a daughter. He realized what a terrible thing he had done to this person. Let's be Mashalach. And because of that, people will know that you really were an honest businessman. And they, they were Mashalach Taka. Imagine the grief of the Rashash have to give up a daughter to, uh, could have had the Shensti, Shensti Yungaman from Velazhin to make up for this error that he made. Fast forward. This boy was a very Taiglicha boy. And his name was Rum. I don't know his first name. And he was the one who founded the printing house in Vilna called the Rum Printing House, which printed the Vilna Shas. Now, when he printed the Vilna Shas, who did he put into the back of the Vilna Shas? Well, you have, obviously, we know you have the Marsha, and under the Marsha, you have the Marshal and the Maram Lublin. He put in after that his father-in-law, the Rashash. If you look in every Vilna Shas, it says, Nitzfas al achim Ram. Who is Almana Ram? The daughter of the Rashash. So the Rashash today would be an unknown entity, unprinted, unknown, if he hadn't made amends, if he hadn't looked into this mistake that he had made and made amends, and it became, look, the Rashash is used in every yeshiva, by every yeshiva, Bachavava. So you see sometimes how the shards, they end up sometimes not only in the Aaron, but they actually become the sort of the new Luchist himself, the Divrei by themselves. And I'll share with you one last story, somewhat of a humorous story. There was a fellow, he worked for 3M, a scientist, his name was Spencer Silva. This was back in the 60s, and he was a scientist, and he was charged with making an adhesive. They wanted a strong adhesive made out of particular ingredients, and he wasn't able to come up with it. In fact, as much as he tried, the adhesive he made didn't have any strong power, and he lost face in the company. Right? 3M's a big company. And six years later... Another scientist in the company went ahead and had an idea. He needed something to keep a book together, so he used this glue. And the glue, to keep pages together, was just sticky enough to keep it together, but yet it was openable. What is this glue called? This glue became what we now call the Post-it, which was the biggest product that 3M had put out in decades. So here again is a mistake, which not only turned out not to be a mistake, but it turned out by just moving it, turning it, turning it, turning it, turned out to be a great success. So sometimes our shards, our failures, we can grow from them. Like Abraham Lincoln, that he became the person who could empathize, see the pain of the other. Person who, you know, in Shaduchim struggled, now he invites over singles, or he's Isaac in Shaduchim. Person who had a sick child, now he helps other people who have sick children. Sometimes it turns into what we think is a failure, like it was for the Rashash, turned out Fakirat, turned out to be a tremendous victory in retrospect. His his whole his whole Mahus, his his greatest success was what he thought was a failure. And sometimes something that is a failure, it's just years later turns into success. It wasn't necessarily at the right time. So when we pick up the shards of our Tishabovs in our lives, the end of the year, we look at some back at back at some of our failure. What does the great Megala Mukas tell us? Don't write them off. Look into them carefully. They may be yet a lot of gold in our broken shards. We should all be zeichata, a good kebenstel. Let's go to our riddles of the week. For 
this is a riddle that you can use the whole year because it has to do with tzedakah. And tzedakah is something that we have every day. What does Ramam say? A person never becomes poor from tzedakah. Nothing bad ever comes out of tzedakah. Why? Like the Pasuk says, you give tzedakah, not saying tite, like gift. Don't feel bad when you give it. Because of this, Hashem will bless you, and nothing bad will ever come out of it. So here's the question. The Gemara in Baba Kama says, what does that mean? Somebody finds a, a lost object, and he's watching it. So he has a den of a Shemar Chidam. Rabbi Yosef says, no, he has a den of a Shemar Sachar. It's like he's being paid. Why? Because since when he's watching it, he wouldn't ha- he's being Isaac by mitzvah. He wouldn't have to give an Ani who comes to him. Tzedakah, so, t- so he basically, he, he fadin, he saved the pruta that he would have given, that he would have had to give the Ani. So he has a den of a Shemar Sachar. It's like he's being paid for it. And therefore, he's chayiv like a Shemar Aved, he'd be chayiv on Gnev of Aveda, like a Shemar Sachar. The question is, like the Rambam, or like the Pasik, like not saying titin levavcha, Hashem is going to bench you. What do you mean he's saving by by, by not giving a pruta to the, to the thing? On the contrary, he's not being more, he's not saving anything. If he would have given the, the tzedakah, if he would have given the pruta, what is the Lashon Rambam? He doesn't get nezeklal. He won't get ever damaged from giving tzedakah. So there's no schar that he, there's no pruta to Rav Yosef that he's saving the penny, he's saving money by not giving tzedakah. Whatever you gave, certainly a pruta, you would get a schar for it. And you wouldn't be damaged at all, according to the Lashon Rambam. So how could you have it then? Vashayim HaSachar. The Chayra, the Lashon Rambam, and the Lashon Rapasik makes seems to obviate the Chiddush of Rabbi Yosef of Prutid Rabbi Yosef. It's a good riddle because Tzedakah is a year-round issue, so we have many of opportunity to ask this, to discuss this question. And now we'll ask another question. Also on Tzedakah, everybody knows that the story of what does the Pasuk say? Open your hand to him. My father once said over. He said, what does it mean? Why does he use this language? He said, you know, when the fist is clenched, all the fingers look like they're the same length. When you open it, you see there's a short one, there's a long one. He said, give tzedakah cleverly. Some will give a little, some you have to give a bear, some you have to give a pruta, pasha, you shouldn't be over an avera maybe, of, 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 of halamasayin from the ani. That's it. You, you, you didn't ask questions. You don't know. Some give long. You know it's a real serious cause. Okay. But what does the Pasi continue? What does it mean? Give him what he's missing. So the Gemara says, that he, he took to an Ani who, who came from a rich family. Everybody's heard this and everybody went to school. Knows this. Eved Laretz Lefanov. He says, Pam Achas, one time, Le Motza Eved Laretz Lefanov. He couldn't find an Eved to run in front of the Ani. The Rats Lefanov, Shalaisham Milin. Hillel himself ran three million in front of the Eved. So here's the question. Is a Klaal, but all Dvarma bin Adam Lechaveri, and a Zakin Veine Lefik Faidei, the Zakin is Pata. If you look in the Ramban, that it's not just by, uh, it's not just a Zak by, by Mitzia. But it's by all the mitzvahs that have been Adam lechaviray, Lamed Beis, Lamed Beis, and Bab Mitzia. 
uh, he says, all dvarim that I mean, other lachaveri, look, it's it's between you and the other person, so you have to look out for the other person. But zakin ve'ena lafik fayde is a p'tor that the Tyra gave. It's not lafik fayde, you don't have to do this mitzvah. That's not just by a metziah in the base hakfaris, whatever the case may be, but any zakin ve'ena lafik fayde you wouldn't have to do. So the question is, Hillel was certainly a zakin. He was the Rosh Hashiva of Klal Yisrael. Right, he was the God Ladar. Is one of those Hill was Makabel in the from Imayshev Yeshua. He's one of the the, the Messiah's Hatayra. Right, so how could Hill possibly run in front of him when there's a cloud? Zakin lefik fayday, and you can't say that Hill did lefnei Mishurus Hadin because the Rush says in Simen Chavalef that if the Tyra patters a Zakin that he's now potter from the mitzvah, he's not allowed to be mezalzal b'kavay terasai, and he's being mezalzal in the kavay da tayra. So it's l'chayra pella. Since this is din, according to Ramban, of zakin l'vein afik and he's not allowed to b'mokin, where it's a zakin l'afik and it's not just by, he says, by aveda, by all mitzvah, so how could he'll possibly a zakin l'vein afik run in front of this evid l'arts l'fanov? So this famous gemara that everybody says that evid, a filu evid l'arts l'fanov hill did, l'chayra would be, according to Ramban, shalaika halacha. That's our question on uh, on the Ramban from this Gemara by Hill. Those are our two riddles of the week. If you want to leave a message by phone or dial in by phone to listen, in America, our number is 732-806-8700. In England, it's 44, like that's the country code, 33011-70250. In Eretz Yisrael, it's... Uh, Zero two three seven two zero three oh four. Let's go to our fabulous shear. from Chicago, Illinois, Rabbi Shalom Fishbein. He's the Kashrus Administrator for the CRC, he was formerly a Rav in Buffalo, New York. He writes the Kashrus column for Yated. Uh, he's an ex- he writes extensively. Welcome, Rabbi Rabbi Shalom. Oh, Shalom Aleichem. Good to be here. Thank you. So, Fishbein, it's, it's vacation time. Let me pose a question. So, I'm on vacation. I drink Chal of Yisrael all the time, mm-hmm. or maybe... I only eat uh, Hadar or um, Kedem. Honestly, I, I'm, not in, I'm not in the kitchen that much. So I don't know the difference. Mm-hmm. And now I'm in, uh, pick some place in, I'm in Italy. I don't know. Oh, pick, wow. pick some part of the world. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in the, I'm in the Rocky Mountains. And mm-hmm. over here, there's, there's none of my, none of my recognize. I don't see any Hadar. I don't know if anybody in, in Yellowstone Park is, uh, is, you know, they have maybe at a supermarket there. They don't have Hadar or Geffen or Ungers, et cetera. Right. And I want to eat just CRC. <laughs> and for me, I only eat hey, Meshach Sherem. I don't need OU. Or right. alternatively, I want to drink milk that's not OU, that's not a Kul of Yisrael. Or alternatively, um, there's no bread with uh, that's Pas, uh, pas Yisrael. So the question right. is, what do I do on vacation? Am I allowed to, quote unquote, have lower kosher standards on vacation uh, where I don't have anything else to eat? That's, that's the question we're tossing at you. Oh, sure. So... 
you know, you, you kind of asked three questions. Yeah, so I, I apologize. So let's, let's go no through them problem. one by one. Yeah. Okay. So you asked about Chavisrol, you asked about Pasisrol, and you asked about Hechsheirim. Uh, so, you know, being on vacation obviously doesn't mean being on vacation from Yiddishkeit and from Halacha, right? We all agree with that. But the question is within Chumas, like uh, in Halacha many times you find when Ramesha wrote his Shura in the Gea Holy Soul, he talked about the, where it's in Motsu, where it's possible to, uh, you should be on Bal Nefesh Machmer, it depends where you are. So, firstly, just if a person's on vacation for a week, uh, to say that that's called uh, a, 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 a zaman where you, you don't have to keep holy soul, that's that's hard to understand. You know, you, you make do. Uh, it would be hard to uh, it would be hard to find a heter for if a person goes away for a week. On top of that, um, let's just talk about for your non holy soul drinkers. Um, what about you mentioned? Let's say going to Italy. This is a very common question. A person, but what about when you go to these countries? Where you don't even have a Vemaisha's Hetzer. And uh, because, or you're not sure if a Vemaisha's Hetzer, who says there are non Sahara in these countries? So we at the CRC have done extensive research and we've actually broken down the countries. You know, the U.S. government rates different countries on how, how good they keep the laws, how, how good people listen to them, how strong the government's involved. So if there is a law, you can only sell milk called, call something called milk that comes from a cow. Can you believe it? So that's a good start for us to understand. So the kids are a place like Italy or most of Europe, you don't have a problem. But when you get into Mexico, when you get into China, when you get into India, I mean, we, we can spend a whole hour of David on uh, talking about what goes on in India. It's, it's a fascinating because there is at least one Heksher that does uh, allow uh, milk products from India because they don't. They say that, yeah, Maisha would definitely answer. But we hold like the pre-Chadosh. And Kolzman camel milk, which is common there, is uh, is, is more expensive than, than uh, cow milk. That's okay with us. So don't give a half share. But Rabbi Fisher, so that, respect, Rabbi, Rabbi Fisher, I'll mean interrupt you. Please. Rabbi Moshe writes in, Igris Moshe Yeredeiche Ligbeis Sim and and I'll quote his exact language. And in different mm-hmm. places, he does write different things. When he writes about drinking, or I'd say something that has an OU, or, or, the gov- or rather where the government gives a standard on it, mm-hmm. he says, Avol B'mekai, Distant places, Shainsham companies, Michal of Yisrael Rayayu, with Chal of Yisrael, Udavar Kashamoid Lahatsi Chal of Yisrael, let's say in Yellowstone Park, Afli Yechidim Ein Lahem Lahachmer. You want a coffee, you're in a place where it's you just can't get Chal of Yisrael. He says, there's no reason to be Machmer. And I imagine Ramesh's Svar is, he says, you know, the Prichadash is the Pashtun Sasugya. In other words, the Prichadash says that we're there. The whole shash of Chal of Akram is, is going to be a, a behemoth tzmei in the Eder. But the Gemara says if there's no behemoth tzmei or nimtz in the Eder, then it would be mutter. So based on that, the Prichadosh says, since in an areas where they don't use camel milk, because I think camel milk would be five times the price, it can't be easy to milk a camel. Their kick is supposed to be rather fearsome. So Rabbi Chadash says, Ramesha says, the Chsam Saifa comes and he says, no, but we have a, once it became a Gzera that you have it, so even if there's no Behemoth Tzmei, it's just a Gzera Drabana. Ramesha says, today, even the Gzera is Niskayim, because since there's Mirsis, the Goyim are afraid, 
So they, have, they don't want to lose their license. They don't want to become known. If, imagine if some big company, Dairy Lee, announced they used camel milk. What if we do to Dairy Lee sales? As well as, he said, the governor's mirrors. He says, based on that, he says there would be a, that everything has a din of Chal of Yisrael. So he says, the Mekayim is Harachaykim. Now, Rabbi Fishman, you want to put a caveat on it if you're only there for a week. Ramesha doesn't mention such a caveat. Right. I mean, if, oh, for sure. I wasn't speaking in the name of Ramesha. You're 100% right about it. No, but you're saying, are you, are you, do you want to add this? You, you say you believe Ramesha would say it only if it was a short time we wouldn't have this at that? I'm just curious. Well, if, if, well, obviously, again, I can't speak for Ramesha, but I could say that uh, Ramesha was stunned saying Ramesha was was being mocked that, uh, not being mocked, he's saying there's a non-Sahari, but then he says, Val Nefesh Yachma. What I was coming from was from a, a different angle, that a person was being, it has a net, it he has a nether, right? He, he decided to be machmer himself to, to keep holy soul all this time. So so now to break that nether, Lechari has to be matzer nether. In other words, it, it, it's a different getter than what Ramesh is saying. Ramesh is right. Ramesh is saying Anan Sahadi, so there's no zera. Today, and obviously the, the some people say, I'm sorry for we're not getting to the whole holy soul, so good. But if a person goes away for a week, uh, it could it could be as different than of a ned there. I don't I don't know if um, if you know I was I was talking from the aspect. So let let him make do for a week. Um, and 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 there are many you know many of the mashkichim that do travel. As I said we, we travel around the world. So when it comes to Arab Rosh Hashanah, they sit down. They say, listen, I know I know what's going to be this week so this year, and I know we're doing a lot of traveling. So I want to make you know my Tzar Sadam will include the Chol Yisrael and the Pasuk or whatever whatever I could do. So they have ah. it in it beforehand. Yeah. So let's talk about um, somebody only eats from the local kosher bakery, and he goes on vacation again to Yellowstone Park or to Italy or something, and there's bread there. And he goes into the bakery, and he says, do you use any animal fat? And they look at him. They say, we don't use any animal fat. There's no, there's no lard. It's not used anymore, et cetera. Or maybe it has an OU, but it's Paf Palta. What do you do then? Well, those, those are those, those two, two different shots. I'm, I'm throwing you. Rabbi Fishbein, I, when when you have the expert on the phone, you throw him every every possibility, <laughs> right? That's why that's why you right. make the that's why you make the big bucks. Thank you. So um, the uh, obviously you can't buy it without a hechsher. There's so much that goes into making bread that it's not you know it's not just about uh, do they use lard today, but there are so many different parts that they put in to make the bread rise and to you know. There's a long list. That you'd be shocked to see what goes into bread and how far back. So for, bread needs for, for sure needs a hefshir. But the second child of Pasisrael... Right, but let me, let me interrupt you, Rabbi. Yeah. When I was in yeah. England, I remember I traveling through Europe when I was a, a young boy, shouldn't say, mm-hmm. a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Me and a friend of mine decided we wanted to go see the Kvarim in Poland and in Europe. This is while well, we're still under communism. Mm-hmm. So I went to a, a Rav in, in Europe, and he says, yeah, in, here in Europe we buy, it's called Vatsabreiten. He says if it's the, the, this that they made, like the bread, it's like a hard particular, like a crust type of a bread. He said it's made, it's called Vasa bread, and in, in Europe, that's what we eat. We go to a regular bakery and we buy it. This is, happens uh, 30-some years ago. So it seems there are French bread. There are breads that are known that they don't put a lot of ingredients, these artisanal breads that are not meant to last for a month. Has that changed right. since when I was a bacha? Again, you're, you're touching on a, a subject that we can speak for hours on, and that is um, the general subject you're touching on is the fact that when you go 
in especially in Europe. You know, we are so blessed here in America, and we have to thank the Bunchstone for everything, including the fact that companies run to us in order to get a hechsher. That we could just we sit in our offices and and you know we at the CRC we don't solicit companies. That's not how we operate. Baruch Hashem, the companies come to us. So therefore, we were able to say, obviously, you don't buy anything like that without a hechsher. But there are places in the world. Whether you know it stops from anti-Semitism, whatever it is, that they don't want to put the texture on the uh, on the packaging. There's been a lot of studies on this, and a lot of that is talking in certain parts of Europe where they can't uh, the pushit the rabbanim of the community can't find kosher food for their people to eat. So therefore, they create um, they go to the second they create they create lists they create research. Where they they call the company and they talk about they talk to the company again. It's not a contract. It's it, it's you, you, we can talk in halacha a lot about if that works. Person just answers the phone and they're not mashuba to to tell you if they make a change. All of these things are are a huge huge sugya. And we in Kashrus frankly deal with this all the time. The, the example you gave is when people go traveling overseas and they take these kosher lists. From some of, in some of these European communities, uh, those are, those those are bidyevet. Those no no rabbis ever entered those factories, but that's the mitzvahs over there. So, and specifically where you were in that area, the rav, uh, whoever told you looked into it enough to say that we're comfortable, um, that that's what's going on over here. Uh, yeah, that that they have an edachon and visur, and I can't argue with that. I don't know, but I could tell you that certainly in the commercial stuff, uh, where you know these large factories that make all type of um, you know dough, the dough conditioners are be'etzim a uh, fatty base. The cheino, you 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 have to you mamish need a hechsher now. The Negea, the Shaila Pasisrol. So Pasisrol already, that's already uh, in Shulchan Aruch. It talks about that even if someone that has Pasisrol available, uh, but Palter is better or it's uh, cheaper, so there's much, much more, we'll call them wiggle room, so to say, within Halacha. To Taka, go ahead and to um, and to purchase that bread out in, in Yellowstone Park. This is a shayla for our rav. He's quoting the mechaber in Kuf Yud Beis that Yeshmi Shaimer Vemakim Shaim Palter Matzi Klal Muster Afilu Shobalabatim. Right, that in a place like you were saying, in a place where there is none, you then oh, you can be Saimach. If Makim Shein Pal over there, you can use uh, any bread that would have, uh, even if it was pas, uh, you know, not pas Yisrael and a Makim Rachik, the Shulchanarach already is Matter. And it's, and, 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 and why wouldn't you need to be Matter Neder? Because, um, in the Hanami, I'm not, I, um, again, this is... I'm, I'm quoting a base Yaisen. I'm quoting a base Yaisen. Right. Why wouldn't you need to be back to that there? So Kenzine, you would be. Uh, I wouldn't, I'm not saying otherwise. I say I'm that. saying if you look, if you look within uh, Halacha, it, it seems that the Halacha was, you know, it's different when the Mechaber, Alain, says, you know, before we were handling Moshe, if, if, uh, if Moshe was Mechadish, the concept of Anan Sahadi, and the Mela doesn't need, but over here the Machabra Lane says it. Like he, he he built it. In other words, when somebody, it's not a nether if you're practicing the laws of Kashras. There if you go, so is, no, so is then would an argument, could an argument be made, and I don't have an answer to this, that since Ramayish is saying that the Chumrah of Chal of Yisrael is only where it's Nimtza, but the Makim Rachik is not even a Chumrah, would that be similar to the case of the Shulchan Aruch? And you say, look, that is, these are the laws of Kashra, so it doesn't rise to nether. It's assumed you're going to do what the Allah is. And if the Allah is the Makim Rachik, and I don't have, I'm asking it just Petaira Shaila. Right, it's a great question. If you, in other words, you, you understand the, the methodology here is that we're, 
that Rav Moshe, you want to say that Rav Moshe perhaps is saying Pshad in the Mechaber, and Mamela, then you'd be 100% right. But those that don't agree with Rav Moshe, you know, the Kotuk Samsoifer and others, they'll say that, that that's not Pshad in the Mechaber. Ramosh is saying it even according to the Samsaif. He's saying even if it's Xera, he says it has a din of Yisrael Rayeyu because of Mirsis. He's saying even like the Samsaif, but but those that argue on Ramosh, the Fatah Hasidim, they say that's not the Pshat. I mean, you know, Ramosh is the God of Dark. So that could rise to the level of Nether, okay? Right, right. But over here, the Machabra Alain saying it. Everyone else is saying, Vos, Vos, make the Machabra. Where's the Machabra Alain saying? That's why so what would you say is, somebody who only uses Hadar and Ungers, etc.? Can he on vacation use CRC and OU? What would you say? Listen, you're asking the CRC, so 100%. Uh, I, but I, does it rise Does it rise to he, he established the Chumrah? He has a... I, I don't think so. Um, I mean, the truth, the answer really to that is it really depends on the product. There are certain products that um, the Etzem, it's the Zelvazach. And, um, and uh, you know, I'm not saying they don't send it in Mashiach, but, but the chances for something being uh, something that he would be eating that he wouldn't be so freedom with are not high. Then there are other things that uh, taka, you know, is very, very complicated. And some of these high, the, the Hasidic, you know, the Hasidic Hechsherim, whatever it is, they have certain policies. The muscle, one of, one of the nice things the Hasidic Hechsherim do is they try not to take ingredients that came from a kosher tree plant uh, that relies on maybe a kashering. You know, there are certain things that so it's the, 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 the answer is too vast and too great to get into the details now. But honestly, the, the, the OU and the CRC and some of the other, you know, national Ashkachas, uh, top, top stuff. And there's, there's almost no one that has the database, the research, the, 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 the personnel that goes into one little ingredient, the amount of research and, and personnel and, and, and layers and layers of of supervision on top of that, you you can be a hundred percent comfortable in in eating like a, a par of a whatever it is. Uh, um, so, Rabbi, Rabbi Fishman, do you think that the Hadar Ungers, whatever they may be, are they better hechsherim than CRC? Do you believe they have more chumris or no? A lot of a lot. Listen, let me. Tell, a, a shocking number is there are uh, close to fourteen, fifteen hundred hechsherim in the world according to Rabbi Wickler of Kachis Magazine, and he does the research on that. The CRC every year sits down and writes and, and evaluates each hechsher, deciding if, um, if we could accept their ingredients into our system. Plus, we do a service that I don't think anyone else really does, and it's, it's become the list to go to, is we list on our website and our app and all of that uh, many of the hechsherim that we approve of. So out of the 1,500 Ashkachas in the world, uh, a surprisingly low number of maybe 200 are approved. And that includes a slew, I mean, a, a huge amount of what you would call maybe Hasidish or Heimish. And there's nothing to do with anything other than knowledge. In other words, today, to be involved, to give a Heksher on Kashas, you have to be a, a food scientist. If you don't understand this, the science behind some of these ingredients or the technology, there's, there's a hundred stories. And by the way, this is, this is the same on the other side. Maybe the, the non-Hasidah Sheikh Sherem. Also, there are many, many of those that simply just don't have it. So it makes no difference the color, the length of the beard, of the hat. Of, you know anything like that? It really, really makes no difference. Having us, said that, could you tell us a story? 
But before you, I'm sorry, continue, and then I'll ask you for a story. Having okay. said that, yeah. So having said that, there are certain Rabbanon Nachshirim, what you're, what you're identifying here, as we'll think, you know, we'll call it the that are very, very good. And they talk and know their food science, and they talk and know food technology, and they add on these chumras, like the chumra I just told you before, they won't take ingredients even from a plant that uh, have koshering, which they, they're not sure how well the koshering is. That, that's a moyerdical thing. You, you know, not everyone can do that. Moyerdical can't do that, but they do that. So those are Barnachshirim, yeah, if you, if you only eat from their products then you're uh, you're sure that's fantastic but to answer your question if you're out in the boondocks and you can't get that uh, you could be 100% reliable on um, you can rely for 100% on uh, on the uh, national ashkachas that do a tremendous job give us an example you say you have hundreds of stories give us a story of where people would no way you would assume that there's any problem with a particular ingredient or product and how we just don't understand that the problem, you know, the complexity of, of today's product. Well, um, you know, let's, let's, let's talk about, um, you know, simple things you buy, you know, you, 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 when you go traveling. So, um, sometimes you end up in these, uh, hotels, you go downstairs in the morning, you wonder what you put in, you cannot eat. Um, so many times they have eggs. Hard-boiled egg. Now, these are machine-made hard-boiled eggs. There's no no one's no ladies making it in her in her kitchen uh, in the morning and selling it to these places. Um, so what could be the shiloh of that? So that's the shiloh of this. Oh, yeah. right. So by the way, just as a as a tip, uh, most of the time, if you ask them to uh, show you the original container, most of them have a, a reliable texture of these hard-boiled eggs. That's August. But I'll, I'll tell you uh, uh, one of my early stories in Tosh that happened to me is I, I was uh, it was a very large factory that makes uh, drinks and uh, they make chocolate milk and they make uh, regular whatever it is. So it happens to be that I was in um, I walked in there and I saw. Another mashkiach there from a, I'll call it a high mashkiach, sure. And um, and I said, uh, oh, you know, so you see, they were making they were making chocolate milk for their their product that day. I said, and which machine are you making the? He says he shows me the machine. I said that that's you know they make a, a clam broth on that machine and and meat broth, you know, trays. He says yeah, but I kosher and he showed me the uh, that he hit uh, 212, you know, roiskin and everything's great. I said, Rebid, you have to know how this machine works. This is called a, a, a unitherm machine, which, which heats it up. You know, you know those uh, those milks that, or those chocolate milks you can get in a box where it doesn't have to be refrigerated. The way they're able to do that is they kill the bacteria to the point where nothing can grow, so that it can be shelf stable, doesn't have to be refrigerated. So that th- these machines are, are very very high, three four hundred degrees of of killing uh, the bacteria. I, yeah, I said you just have to follow the the thought process here. You can't heat up product from zero to you know three four hundred uh, in in a minute. You'll you'll burn the product. So there's there's a there's a section called a a pre, you know, where, where they preheat it. And uh, that preheater, uh, what you koshered, can't reach high temp 212. So the Kitzer, it turned out that he didn't know this, but he was only koshering half of the machine. And he didn't understand how the entire unitherm system works, which is a preheater, which includes something called the regen section. Too complicated to explain that, but basically what that is in order to save energy, they take a cold finished product uh, and, they, and they run it against the the incoming cold product, and uh, I'm sorry, the, the hot against the cold, and therefore they cool down in the heat up at the same time. That's called the regen. The point was, 
that um, chocolate, I take two points at it. One is that the chocolate milk had a problem, you, and the and, and the second problem was is that the quote unquote Haimisha Heksha, the guy had very good intentions, but he didn't have the knowledge to uh, right. for such a complex thing. Right, and I want to be very clear. I'm not trying to pick on Heimish. Happens to me that was the story. But but, 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 but and, and Rabbi Fishbein, I just want to go back to the big problem. Let's go yeah. back to the thing. Okay, so the guy uses it for clamberup. So some of the questions was, is it is it a benyayma or is it not a benyayma? Is it nice and tamalif gum? I mean, I think there's a reasonable thing. Clamberup, I guess, tastes like you filter the fish or something. Do you want your chocolate milk tasting like you filter the fish? Right. So you have a suffix, whether it's benyayma, you have a suffix, whether it's nice and tamalif gum, and you also have a suffix of bitl, bashishim. Right. So even though it's a problem, I mean, if, if if somebody were to ask you the combination of those, I think more likely than not, you would, ha- you would be scratching your head to say whether it's mother or not, right? You have uh, three spheres. The Hexer did not pull off the chocolate milk that was already made uh, from the market. Mustafa, for the reasons you gave, it's a good question. If it's nice and with gum, they got they put some very interesting things into you know. It wasn't just clam; there's all type of uh, protein based. But yeah, Mustafa, you can say it's nice and with gum. It was a benyamai. Was it? Um, it was it was not a benyama. It was not a benyama. Okay, you have that. And the last point, which is a very true point, um, and that is, and this goes into a whole other sugya. Again, this, we can talk hours on this. The uh, whole the machines today, if uh, there's so much product that goes through these machines, Shefa, yeah, Shefa, Shefa. So yeah. I know Rabbi First in Chicago tells people that based on that, you know, he doesn't really believe in the concept of dairy equipment. You know, he says right. it's a forest. I'm not saying it that, you know, you can... So Rabbi Fishman, this could really go on for hours, but in, in conclusion, you would say that um, milk, if if it wasn't a nether, would be, wouldn't be a problem. But if it is a nether, you would have to be mounted in it. You concluded in Yataris Nadarim, it's your opinion. And I believe now that you, after you mentioned that it triggered a memory of mine, and I actually found Ramosha says the same thing, Baruch Kivanta, he says the same thing, that he says if you makabal it as nether, it would be a problem of being mounted in nether. He says it in a different shuva, and I found it while we were talking. Also, later on in the shuva. He says, if you he says, bread would not be a problem because of the machaba. And you, you said things like eggs. In most cases, if you would ask them for the box, it would, does come from a machine and it's OU, so, or a hefsher, wouldn't have a problem with bishel. And you don't think going down, you don't think a Hamish Hefsher or not a Hamish Hefsher rises to the level of nether, nor do you see think that CRCRO, you have to take second place in Hefsherim. Not at all. I, I, I once gave a speech called Keeping Kosher on the Road. So could you give very us... Much could you give us highlights in three or four minutes? Give us a few of those highlights. Maybe we'll, we'll do another program on it, but give us some of those headlines. Right. Uh, yesterday, I was in the airport, and um, I was looking. I was in the club. I wanted to see what I can buy these. I saw they had packets of oatmeal. Um, it didn't have a half shirt. But, um, but I, so the stuff, the flavored stuff, it, but you can't touch. A regular packet of oatmeal, plain oatmeal, does not need a half shirt. So I was able to take a plain packet of oatmeal. They have hot waters directly from the machine that, you know, there's no cooking uh, with kalem shilas. So I made myself without milk, but it was great. What else? One- Give us a quick list of a few things that you say you could use without a problem. So there's the, the oatmeal. There's um, the, the uh, cut-up fruits many times in these, in these uh, hotels. 
also come in with a hechsher. Um if you're out in if you're out in the as you're going shopping and you want to buy and they and they already um, you want to buy in a supermarket you want to get uh, salmon for example. So there there is it's it's relatively easy to to buy a salmon even though it's not a kosher uh, um or let's say you go to a supermarket and they sell you know those little cut up uh, fruit in a bowl. So Lachira, you you can buy those if it doesn't have a hechsher and there's nothing else to buy. You can buy that, and we can talk halacha explain you why. But bottom line is you just need to know can you? The answer is yes. Let me try to think of anything else. Well, salmon, you say the same thing. By salmon, would you have to take off the klipa? Would you assume that the knife? They're cutting the salmon. It's another piece that the first it's knife not a was klipa, the, the most most you if you want to truly be machmer is do shifshuf on the spots where they may have cut it. Which not clipa because there's no there's no blia going in at all. But the shifshuf shifshuf. So you know if you're out there, I was just in the shop right in Monticello. So by they have a whole they have a separate kit of knives and uh, where they use just for the kosher uh, customers. So, so salmon and, and, is fine because of both the color and I guess you could check the fins and the scales on the uh, on the skin. But the color. What else would you color, buy? Yeah. Give us another two things in closing that you would buy and you say this is you're on the road. This is not a problem. What would it be? Hands, a certain. Uh, you go certain uh, cut up, yeah. cut up. You go to a thing, and there's nuts in the bowl over there. Uh, almonds, yeah. peanuts in a in a bar. Here's what I would say about that. Unflavored raw nuts are fine, um, and if it's just you know blanched or pasteurized, that's just a way of uh, uh, you know kind of killing any any bacteria. That's also considered raw, and that's fine. The things that are roasted. Are, or boiled or cooked or canned or all that stuff, that, that means hashkacha. So raw nuts, you should be fine. Let's say you're out there and you want to make some popcorn. You can go ahead and buy raw popcorn kernels. That's okay. And you can even do it in your hotel uh, microwave if you know if you know how to do it. Uh, we, we didn't get into the whole microwave shiloh. Yeah. That's for another time. Yeah. Um, so that, that's another thing you, you, could, uh, you could get. Coffee, well, tea, you know, all those other things. But, well... As you said, we're out of time. Well, and thank you very much. Yeah. Rabbi Fishman, we're going to have you on again to talk about mm-hmm. Afarichas, but thank you very much for your time. My pleasure. Bye-bye. We have on the phone with us from Modian, Rav Gidon Weitzman. He's a Rav in Modian. He's also the uh, Rav of Pua, which is the famous Israeli uh, organization which deals with all in Yonei Taras HaMishbacha, fertility, etc. Welcome, Rabbi Weitzman. Thank you very, very much. Rabbi Weitzman, vacation season is about to start. So you have a fellow, he takes his family, he has young kids, he has teenagers, and they they, they want to go swimming in a pool, just a, just a, a private pool, or the ocean. So are teenagers or children, walk us through it, from the same family allowed to go mixed swimming. Are you allowed to go swimming with siblings, assuming everybody's wearing a bathing suit? Right. Assume everything's bits newt and uh, done appropriately. Um, well, define bits, define bits newt, because that's right. one of the that's, questions. That's a, very, that's a very good question, and I think that there's a halakhic element, and there's obviously a social element. Obviously, there will be communities in which any form of swimming at any age would be considered problematic, and there are communities in which they're maybe a little bit more lenient in that question. And halakhically, I mean, it goes to the question that Gemara speaks about who can sleep in the bed with another person, not obviously with any relations, but to just to be 
Kiruv Basar, and uh, generally we hold that anybody who is um, at an age in which they understand a little bit about the implications of nudity and implications of relations would be forbidden to have to sleep in the same place, have yichud in the same place, since can be under what age is that? Again, that's also a little bit of a societal thing. But generally, we can say that a young child um, is generally not, not, there's no prohibition of a young child being in a mixed environment because they don't understand, they have no comprehension of any implication of that. It means nothing, not just basically uh, being with their mother or with their father, if it's a daughter, um, and with a point where the child can understand, then they shouldn't really be in an environment in which there will be address or behavior which could be considered inappropriate again and that's somewhat of a, of a fluid and a dynamic definition of what exactly we would consider to be inappropriate but generally to have exposed parts of the body that usually should be covered would be problematic and generally I think that we hold that there's also yichud and also problems of being close in the close environment between siblings as well as there is between somebody from a different family and I think generally I just know just I would say as Asa I know from my own family, that I think a kid who gets that at age, especially a boy, is very very uh, self-conscious about being in such an environment. And a girl will usually also be in a, in, in a, in a situation, if a girl's brought up in a way that is that certain things are appropriate and inappropriate, when they would be in that situation, they would feel themselves a little bit exposed and that they wouldn't want to, uh, they wouldn't want to uh, be in such an environment. So Rabbi Weitzman, the beer halacha in Simonayin Hay right. says that... Uh, even a katana mi baskimol the elach. The Darachaim says mktepach magula beisha b'makim shadarka lekasaisei. So he brings the shulchan shleima and he says baskimol the elach, but he says that if it's bitei, it's from eleven years and older. Exactly. So that's what I'm saying. That's about the age that we would say now was appropriate. That's the sort of the hadrocha that would make sense. So, but here's the issue. But Rabbi, let's talk about you know reveal. Look, it could be that we could go swimming theoretically if we all go on a teal together and we're all wearing. No, we're not magule. But we happen to be going through water, then that may be different than going to a pool, which is in of itself somewhat of a colored rush sort of environment. But Rabbi, Rabbi Weitzman, here's my question. There are Paiskim who say that this din of, of Bas Yudalis mm-hmm. is only by, uh, by Tfila, by, by Kriyashman Tfila. And I, the Sefer I saw it in is Sefer Tahara Seinayim, ironically. And who brings, he says, that you don't see in the Paiskim that there should be an Isser to look at this Makrem HaMachusa by Imai, by Aviv, by Bitai, Binai, Achaisa. He says you don't find that in the Paiskim. The reason being, because for most normal people, they don't look at a parent or at a sibling in a, in a way that is Gairam here, right? So he says you're allowed to look at, or if somebody visits their sister, tells and she's not wearing her tichel. He says it's not a problem because there's no sarbi sheriff would not be by a brother, even if she's in a suice. And he says, and he brings from others, he says, so my question would be then, according to these paiskim who hold that way, and it, it doesn't seem that there's a clear, nobody has a clear riot to this. Right. But if indeed there's no iser to look b'makim hamachusa at a at a married sister or by a parent, then why would swimming with a married sister or a parent be asa? I think there's another level. We see it in Tarda Mishpacha. We see it in other places. There's a level of of colored rush, and colored rush is something that is slightly, as I said before, non-defined. But it's something that I, when I teach chatanim, I say, you know, it's almost something that. On some level, everybody knows what for them is colored rush. I would translate colored rush into something that brings a person into behavior that is frivolous, 
that may lead them to have the men maybe hearing, maybe maybe beyond that, maybe to do actions and that's something that we need to steer clear of. Now, let me ask you, on, uh, what would you say halakhically, taking a walk along the boardwalk? You're on vacation. Right. You're in Seaside Heights or, uh, or uh, I don't know, we have a Tel Aviv or, or uh, you want to go for a, a walk. It's, it's, that's what you do in the summer. You go for a walk. You go on the ferry-go-round, the merry-go-round, the Ferris field, whatever they have. A, so what, halakhically, how would you respond if you were as a rub to that? A, a 16-year-old boy or a 16-year-old girl or a 35-year-old boy or girl can they take a walk along the boardwalk, and people are going bathing in their sand. I mean, we have, we have a lot that the person is um, is where if he goes where the washerwomen, where women are washing clothes, right? Yeah. Yeah. shown him of whether it, there's another derrick to go, how a person should go through that, and um, the whole deal about is there any other way to go. So generally, I would think we would say in such a you know today there is another way to go. You don't have to go there. You go somewhere else. Maybe you can say there isn't. Maybe that's the only way to go walk. I mean, I think you have to think. Of here, the suge is the person will see things that uh, they should not see, and they did not have to see. And so, say if you don't have to see it, and you don't have to be there, then maybe it's problematic. Maybe that's, maybe that's the same halach. So you're saying this that the Gemara in Babasra and Nunzayin says that the Ikadark Achrina, you say that going for a tour along the water is the Pashas, there's Dark Achrina. There are other places no, that you can take a, a walk. Pothek. I'm not a Pothek, but I think that that's, uh, that would seem to be that that's problematic. The person again yes. is going to be exposed to things. I believe Ramesha in um, in Evan Ezekiel Kalos Simon Vav, who says your very point, and he says he doesn't understand why that doesn't have a din of the Ikadar Kachrina taking a walk where uh, you know you're going to be exposed to. Uh, he says going to work is one thing, but uh, so if it would be let's say in a time where you wouldn't see people, or it's a, it's a, it's likely you wouldn't. What would you say if it was an, uh, an older person who says, look, these things don't. You know, today people are exposed much more than they were in prior generations. It doesn't affect me. What would you say to that? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but but it's a thing I mean, today. You know, going with the with the sota. Right? Yeah, but over there was only the Gemara inside there. Over there was only for one minute, though. Here you're talking about taking a long walk, and also and also there he's touching, and also he didn't have a choice over there. Yeah. He's talking by Hanasas Yad of the Isha by Sayyid. I mean, that's the Gemara's answer. Yeah, yeah. So maybe has a different in- inclination. Would and you not- say today, Rabbi, Rabbi Weissman, would you say as somebody who is a, a Rav uh, of a community, also Isaac in this, would you say that, um, that we have this whole issue of sitting next to women on planes? Right. Is, uh, has made the news recently, right? And my question well, is... Unfortunately, yes. My question is, as modern Americans, we look at it and we snicker. Right? Right, right. On the other hand, if a person is a real Eurasianian and he sits down on a plane and he's between two attractive women for 12 hours, right. and if you fly economy, there's exactly one centimeter between you and the next and the next person, right? Right. And if somebody is heavy, there may be less, there be negative centimeters. So, you know, what is the halacha on this? You, 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 you look and you have two attractive women and you're stuck in the middle. I'm not even talking about the din of not to sit between women. Let's talk about that because you can say the chair is the hand rest is a machita. Right. But, you know, so somebody who's not a Yerushimayim, he's a westernized person. He says it's a joke, the whole thing. But right. somebody who is, knows how, as a rub, and, and somebody who knows what Hiruram could do, you see both the negative and the positive at Pua. What do you say halakhically in such I mean, a case? There's a about going on the subway. There's yes, famous chuva. 
very famous tshuva that he's matir. But you can say maybe then you're right that it's a short amount of time and it's. Uh, and and you also you also have the option of moving if you're sandwiched next to an attractive woman. So go stand next to somebody. But right, yeah, but, but the problem the problem that, that I think you say. You're referring by the way just for the island. He's referring to the tshuva. Ramosha is Evan Ezechel. based him in Yudal. We'll post it on our website. Ramosha sim- simply writes. He says for work, a father you're allowed to do that. He says we can't lock ourselves up in a. I mean, I, I think that the problem in the in the press, and you said, you know, as Westerners, we sort of snicker at it, is not even the question of is it mutter asr, it's the way it's presented. So if I am sitting, I mean, I would personally, get on white not not saying anybody should do this way, I would maybe feel a little uncomfortable sitting, as you say, between two women. And I might ask them, you know, very politely, is it okay that we, we maybe switch over or I can try and find another seat? And that's my personal choice. Um, to say that it becomes halacha, that now the halacha is that you, have, you can't sit between two women, I don't remember such halacha. Okay, wait, 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 wait. So, so, so slow down. Let's say Gido Reisman, Rabbi Gido Reisman from Odeon, gets on a plane and he gets a middle seat, you're unlucky, and you're sitting between two attractive women, right? And for the purposes of, of this Shiloh, we'll make them two very attractive women, right? right? So now there's an Issa the Raisa of and you're going to be there for 12 hours, right. right? Or 10 hours, one way, 12 hours, the other way. And if you're unfortunate, and El is every landing arrives late, isn't that the old joke? It could be fifth. So you have an Issa the of what do you do? You're in the plane. Now, what's, and, and you go to the stewardess, and she says, I'm sorry. Every plane on, seat on the plane is taken. And when you turn to one of the women, because you change seats with me, they say, why would I change from an aisle to the middle or from the window right. to the aisle? What do you do? What does Rabbi Gideon Weitzman do? So I, I tell you what I do, and I know it's a somewhat facetious answer, but I think that it's already, that, it, that the answer is within, is that I know that that's a possibility, and therefore I plan accordingly ahead, like I would do with any other, with any other question of Arayas, and any question we tested before, walking on the boardwalk or going somewhere, Derek Achrina, there's a way, you know, when you book your seat, there's a way to exactly get the seat that you want, that you're not sitting between two people. So, so you book in advance not to get an aisle, to get an either an aisle or a window? I book in advance in the way that I know that I'm not going to sit next to Okay, now, good answer. If I'm on public transport, and that's what I have. Uh, Rabbi, so, Rabbi Weitzman, let me, let me, so let's, let's for the purposes of this, now, you, you usually do that, and this time you got called to be a Masada Kedushin in America, it was rush, <laughs> and or, the, or, or, it's, or, or they made a mistake, the booking, you know, the alliance, and now you're stuck between two attractive women, and you know, you can have your room, what do you do? Yeah, it's a, good, it's a good question. I would think that you would say that if you know that's going to happen, that's exactly the Sugeta says before. What does a person do that he walks along and he sees a woman washing the clothing? So he would find their Chachrina. He would try to find out. And if you don't have any of the Chachrina, I mean, there's a, the, you know, the, the, the Mishnah Brewer speaks about if you're in a place where people speaking Lush and Harikins, that same Sugeta, just stick the fingers in your ear. And you can't stick fingers in your ear. Then you'll makabel of yourself that so you won't, you won't listen at all. The person has to be, has to have, Self-control in such a situation, if you have absolutely no choice, and then we can say it's sort of. So Rabbi Weitzman, if somebody's in this situation and he knows he will have your room, does he have the right to go over to the stewardess and say, "Look, I refuse to fly here, and I'm not leaving unless you give me another seat." Good question. You have to ask a post. That would be a good question. But the, the answer, the airline could also say, I'm sorry, we can't get another seat. If you can't fly, you have to get off. You also say that, theoretically. And, if, and, and, and theoretically, would, would, does a person have a right to, let's say, make, quote-unquote, the possibility of a chil Hashem if he's caught in such a situation? Or would his obligation to be, look, if you really feel that you're, you, you're going to be Mahar, get off the point and book it next time more carefully, what would you say? 
I don't know if we have any heter to do a Chilul Hashem. I think Chilul Hashem says there's no tshuva, and it doesn't say any pashut that it's mutar to be Chilul Hashem. Unless in the case, I guess, of a riot, I don't think you can say again. Again, this is not, I'm not so convinced this is a din of a riot. If you're not touching, I'm not so convinced that it's a din of a riot. No, my sure it's clearly it's not. It's a din of, right? it's sort of like a surah, not a din of a riot. Yeah. Right, right. Well, Rabbi Weitzman, thank you very much for your time. We appreciate it. Okay. Take care. Bye bye. We have the honor of having with us on the phone Rav Daniel Neustadt. He's the Rav of Pine River Village of Lakewood. He's written many svarim, including he's the writer of his grandfather's Chidushe Torah M.S. Liakov of Agarin Rabbiankov Kamenetsky. He's formerly Avbezdin of Detroit. Welcome, Rav Daniel. Hello. So, Rav Daniel, it's, it's summertime, and many people go to Eretz Yisrael. And one of the things they go to Eretz Yisrael is they go to the Kfarim. They either go to Kivriyavai, so they go to, you know, to the Chalkas Harabonim to see their various Rosh Hashivas or Rebbes. Rabbi Moshe Feinstein is there. The Briskerov is there. Chabinarov is there, etc., etc. So we would like to have a conversation, something that we've never had about, about going to Kfarim. And we'd like to start out with the question, is it appropriate to go to Kfarim? It should do what? That Rabbi Chaim Velazhina said that the Goyen never went to didn't go to Kfarim, he was against it. And I think the Russian of, uh, in the Geras Hagra is, Kol Misham. All the Tsaris come from going to the base Hakfaris because the Klippos and his Dabik to a person over there, bad spirits, etc. And he says he went one time to his mother's caver and he regretted going and never went back the rest of his life. So is it even appropriate to go to a caver? Okay, so like, uh, like many other issues that we have in Yiddish life uh, are, of course, different opinions and different mysterious and traditions about this issue like uh, like so many other issues. We know that in Chazal, in going back all the way to the Gemara, to the Midrashim, there are several instances that great people went to Kibriyavis. So we know that Yosef cried at his mother's grave uh, before going to, uh, to Mitzrayim, Chazal tell us in Midrashim, we know that uh, Kevorachal has always been a place that Yidin have gone to uh, cry over the Mamorachal, going back all the way to Golis, to the Churban, on the way to Babel, they stopped the Kevorachal, Rashi brings that down in the Chumash. We know, of course, the Gemara tells us that Kolev ben Yefuna was Mishtateach and Morasamech Pele before going on the Miraglin. So it's certainly something that has been done from the earliest times. And uh, we also know that uh, since those days, uh, it's been very widespread minig in Israel, as you mentioned, that people go to Kibbutz Tzadikim and Kibbutz Avis. Uh, those are really two different things, because Kibbutz Avis is really a function of Kibbutz Avaim. We find sources in the Rishonim that say that the Neshama has Hanor, has a pleasure, that when their descendants come and daven and uh, visit, so to speak, their graves, and therefore, it's a keep it on the aim issue, and it's become accepted like that in the vast majority of clowning shows. Is it obligation? No. Is it something that you have to do absolutely? No. And the Chazanish is quoted that it's not a chiv to go to, even on the yard site, to go to keep others. People do it, but it's not a chiv. And if you ask the Chazanish, he said that if you could learn that same Mishnayis, gift stucker, all those are preferable to visiting the, the Kvarim. That was his opinion, and that was, I think that was more or less the Litzvah Messiah. But there's other Messiahs in the Hasidic world, in the wide world out there. It's been widely accepted to do it. We can never say that it's something that's wrong or usher, because 
you got to look at the minigoylum and been widely accepted, no question about it. So the question is, what did the Goyen do with the Gemaras you mentioned, the Gemara and Elun Amarim that says that? Yeah. went and he said, Rashi brings it in Chumash. Right. What did the Goyen do with the Gemara and Tainus? That Kadeshi of Akshualenu Mesim Rachmim and Zion. What did he do with the Gemara and say the Tainis Selu? What did he do with the Gemara and What did he do? I mean, we, we assume the, the Goyen knew these Gemaras. Right, right. There's many sources, like I said before, there are many sources that it has been done. Now, the Goyen doesn't say, you know, this is a Kabbalah Yon, and I don't know exactly how much depth we could go into this. The Goyen doesn't say that it's usher to go, it doesn't say it's forbidden. He just advises his family not to go, especially the women. He was against it. He didn't feel that it was the right thing to do. And as that famous story with the girl that you mentioned before, he himself had different opinions about it because at one time he did go. He did go visit his mother. And then afterwards, and actually when he came back, he said that his mother was extremely happy to see him. But afterwards, a few weeks later, he had Harata that he went, and he never went again. So we see that the guy did not hold that it's awesome, it's not Hadin. He held that it's possible to go, and, but, but he didn't recommend it, and he saw that for himself it was not a good thing, and he never went back again. I think that one of the, it's a good question. I don't have a, a clear answer to this, but probably it depends, every person has to feel what it does for him. There's a word that they say, I saw in the name of the Satmar of, that going to Kvarim is for big people. nefesh benefesh. If you know what you're looking for, if you know how to attach yourself to the Misham of the Tzaddik, then it's a game. And if not, it's not. It depends. Different people could gain from it. Different people could lose from it. There's also a danger. If you're a person that is uh, not pure, if you're not taking care of yourself properly, and then you're to the Klippus, to the Chetzalim that the Mikubalim talk about, it's dangerous for you. It's interesting. It's not just the grow was against it. The reason himself was not it was against visiting Kvar. So this has been a long-standing debate, and uh, people should still do what, whatever inspires them, whatever makes them closer to their Bayeshalim. If they go to the Kevin, they become inspired, they become better, they accept a couple upon themselves. We can't say it's no good. On the other hand, if it doesn't do anything for you, if it's just a vacation, just a trip, and it's time to waste the time, so then why are you going for it? Uh, the person has to decide on his own. Yeah, so you you said that if it inspires you, if you, you know, by going to a cave of either a, a father or a tzaddik, I, I, I heard over a word from, I believe it was from Reb Maisha, but if not, it's a beautiful word anyway, that our minig is to put a, uh, it's brought in the Berhetif, to put a rock on the cave when you visit the cave, yeah. we put a stone. Why do we put a rock on the cave? I think it was from Maisha, he says that a matseva is milashin, it stands. Right to be to be a nitzav to be is to stand. In other words, because once somebody yeah. dies, they don't move anymore. They can't do any mitzvahs or ma'asim tovim, and they're just stuck in eternity in a solitary space in an unmoving space. But on the other hand, if the person inspired other people, right? If you look at somebody who makes an investment, and after their death it grows by exponentially. So clearly, they invested money for a fund for a yeshiva, for tzedakah, and it grows by tenfold. So the question is, did the person give a dollar, or did they give $10 when, when, when the investment was cashed in? The argument would be made, they gave the $10. So there is the possibility, we look at Rabaran, when Rabaran was Nifta, Lakewood was 100 or 200 boys, today it's 8,000 boys, right? So that, that accrues to him. 
which is what it means, by the way, Sifrei Chaim and Sifrei Mesim. Why is Sifrei Mesim Suchim? What is the impact you had? It doesn't stop by death. Let's look on. So on one hand, there's a steerer. The Matseva cast out a stone. Stone doesn't grow. It's solitary. It stands. It's unyielding, unmoving. But if somebody comes and they're inspired by that person, then they put a rock on it. They say, look, you're growing. The stone is growing. It's changing. It's accruing. And it's interesting yeah. that when we say Yisker, we don't say Zuchair, which is on the Avar. Yisker is always a Lashon HaAsid. In other words, our Yisker is not remember you, have a good day, but it's how do I remember you and Yisker al Shem Asid so that it could impact us in the future. Yeah. So you're saying that if it inspires you, then you should definitely go. You know, it's you. a form of Avedet Hashem like anything else. If it's, it's a tool, it can be used to elevate a person. And if it does, okay. And, and by the way, they hold and, and the Shulchan Aruch in, in, in Hilchus Rosh Hashanah and Tafkuf Payalaf, in Hilchus Yom Kippur and Tafkuf Reshvav, in Hilchus Tainus and Tafkuf Ayintes, in Hilchus Tishabav, in four different places, talks yeah. about the Indian of going to Kfarim. So clearly, the Goyen is an outlier in this. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah, the Goyen was not going with the Ramah. I mean, again, the Ramah uses those four times during the year. It's, it's sort of like you could deduce that in not in those times, you shouldn't go, right? You could also argue that those are specific times of Torah, of Tshuva. There's a specific purpose in going, and therefore only in those times and not in others. One can argue that, but that's also not, you know, specific. He doesn't say that, though. The Goyen didn't go on Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, on the Tainus, or on Tishu. He didn't go on any of those occasions. no. Don't forget that no matter whatever you get at the cave of a tzaddik, you gain more by learning Torah. There's no question about it. The guy who didn't waste six minutes a year, for him to go to a kever is a colossal waste of time. For him, every person is different. It but let me ask you, but, alternative. but Rabbi Neustad in, in also in Hilchus Tainus, where it says, Achar Shemespalon says by the Tainus, Yoytzim kalaam lebeisakfaris, boichinu mishananim sham. It doesn't say, but if you're in yeshiva, you're better off learning. So it's missing the asterisk. Well, usually, in yeshiva, even in yeshivas today, in the afternoons of the time, there's usually no seder. It's a young of the pagra. People are weak. And they, and they really can't learn as you normally do. So therefore, instead of that, you go to the basic class. But if oh. somebody were to ask actually a question, if I, if I could learn or go to the basic class, if they would ask me, I would say, go, stay learn. Because learning is no question there's nothing higher than Tom Mateo. That, that, that's what you should be doing. Unfortunately, most people can't do that all the time, and we need other motivators. And we need other can, ways to connect to Hashem, and therefore, these things also work. But if a person could be stopping through Torah, there's nothing higher. Even though, but even though arguably, Rabbi Nustati, going to a cave is, let's say, a person to tshuva. And the argument would be, like the Rambam writes about tainus, it's to, the tainus is to cause a person to return. We don't find that somebody who's learning doesn't have to fast because you say, since you're learning, you're automatically going to do tshuva. But there, well, are different, actually, there are different triggers. You're learning, that causes you to a certain zdapkas from the Rabbi Nishalem. On the other hand, tshuva, that comes from a tainus. So if, if going to the Beis Akvaris is... In the Washington Shulchan Aruch is is to, uh, is to cause a person to to be chayzer b'tshuva. It causes us a, pushes a different button. Could an argument be made that you don't have that from learning? No, learning always supersedes everything. If a person tire also brings you to tshuva, tire is much higher. Tire swamps everything. But not everybody could relate to tire like that due to our chesaron, due to the fact that we don't. 
sometimes know the power of Torah and we can relate to it in the proper way. So we need other lower instigators and other things which do not reach that high level. And therefore, but if a person could connect to Hashem through Torah, no, he doesn't need to go to heaven. As a matter of fact, the, the, the halacha is that a Tamil should do at least as fasting as possible. Only time to be fast are Tainus Tzibur, which is a Takana and the Klau. But he shouldn't do Tainus Yachid, he shouldn't do Tainus Halayim, he shouldn't even do Tainus and Aveyus. He should do Shalom, because the learning is more important than fasting. Fasting is if you can't work. It's a lower, much lower level. Kibbutz Tzadikim is even less than that. It's only if you can't connect Hashem to a pure Torah. Okay. All. Even though on a Tainus Tzibur you say they do fast, and the whole purpose of that's a Tainus Tzibur is Ramam writes is that they should be Shal B'Tshuva. No, that's not the whole purpose. The whole purpose of Tainus Tzibur is because we're misabbing with the Tzibur and the Shastar that Klaus all had. A byproduct of that, a, a consequence of that is that we elevate ourselves into Tshuva. But it's a Takana. What happens if a person says, I'm going to sleep the whole Tainus, and I'm not coming to Tshuva? Is he possible from fasting? No. It's a thing that you have to fast with the Tzibur. That is our the Takana Satsibur. It's supposed, like everything else, is it's supposed to raise your level. It's supposed to do something to you. Some people do that, some people don't. But the, the fast is an obligation because Plamasol has a Takana, the Nadim or Masakin, but these days are fast days and person is not tired with a tibur. But the chuba is a byproduct of it, or where you're supposed to get to. It's not a prerequisite, then it's not ma'akiv in the tainus. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. Even though the Rambam in Hulk of Tainus he brings the purposes as right. al tshuva, not al not al tzavelus of the past. But you have to get to tshuva. Yes, the purpose is to to, to try to reach that. But again, if a person is not going to get to tshuva, he's not going to sleep the whole day. He's not going to do any tshuva. Should he fast? Of course. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not in the tshuva. That's the, the you know you you need to get to it. That's that's the that's you could, it's a tool. It's a method. That's how you. It's a, one of the ways. It's more a person to tshuva. Okay, let me ask you another question. There are people who go to the Beis Forest and they espal that to the tzaddik. They go to the caver of their, their, their whatever tzaddik it be, it could be a Rashiva, a Rebbe, and they go to Rabbi Moshe's cave, or they go to Lubavitcher Rebbe's cave, right? they say, please be mischanen for me by the Rabbi Nishalelam, or I beg of you, see, what, can you help me? Now, there are those who say, you're not allowed to do that because it looks like Deirish Alamesim. Is that correct or not? That is an achlaikis of um, a lot of people. A lot of Judaism spoke, have spoken about this over the generations. And yes, there are two schools of thought about that. Uh, some, including the Mishnabura and most of the classic Paiskim, like the Kitzer and the Chayodim and the Matafrayim, they say that no, that it's forbidden to directly address the mace because of the Hashem and other Yisurim and one mean only daven to Hashem b'schus of the of the nice and toivim of this nifter because he should be minutes that should be count as a schus for us you know you can have an only Hashem, you cannot address the mace at all that is the view of the mishnah and most paiskim however rabbi Nusser, said the mishnah is sicer himself right in one point he yeah but in and he doesn't bring the maril and he says you can he brings the prima godim that you can dive into the Right, the right. Right. Okay, that's true. So there is there is, there is a God and there's others who say that one can address the mace, but you have to be careful. You're not allowed to address the mace to help you, you know, directly. 
That's also called all shitas. People make a mistake over here. You're allowed to address the mace to intercede in your behalf and beg the Rabbani Shalom, since he's closer to the Kisei covered, they ask the Rabbani Shalom to help you for your tzar. But people make a mistake in that, that they think that you could address the mace, that you help me. You, my rabbi, you, my rishid, whatever it is, you help me. That's forbidden called all views. Nobody allows that. So it's like a sin difference. You could, you could, it's like a malach. You could ask a malach. This goes back to the big machlekes of the of the Achreinim, where you allowed to address a malach. It's the same thing. A malach or a mace is the same. So many hold that you allowed to ask a malach to intercede on your behalf. Malach rachnim hagishu You allowed to intercede and ask Hashem, but you can't ask a malach. Malach, help me, because malachim can't help you. They can't do anything themselves. Neither can a mace. So that is a, a, an important distinction, even according to the lenient views. The stringent views hold you can't address the mace altogether. You can't even ask him to intercede. So there's three different things here going on. One, the, the first two is a subject of dispute, but the last one, asking the mace or the malach to work for you directly and help you, that is forbidden according to all views. You're saying that even the Gemara that says that Kalev went to Davin, right? His lashon was Avoisai Bikshu Ale Rachmim She Notzel Meatzas Beraglim. Right to intercede. Right, and the Gemara in Tainius which says they must follow to the Mace Kadeshi Yevakshu Aleinu Meisim Rachmim. The the Meisim should ask for us, right? Rachmim, right? Right. So that means they could intercede and 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 the appeal to the Rabbani Shalom on our behalf, but not to appeal to them to do something for us. Yeah. Because they can't. Because they can't, that's, and that's forbidden. I mean, but even when somebody goes to a tzaddik, they go to a Chaim Kenevsky, they're, they're not going for him to do, they're asking him, whatever, you know, uh, the Ratzin of the tzaddik is the same as the Rabbani Shalom, and they ask him to, they give him a kvitzel, they ask him to mispal. I don't, I don't think anybody who goes even to a live tzaddik is asking him to do it. They're asking him to use his... his, 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 his. Uh, I, uh, is that correct? No, I think people make a mistake in that. And they address the tzaddik as if the tzaddik has the power to do something for them. It's wrong, but they think so. People say, oh, Tzadik, you could, if you wanted, you could do this for me. I'm not leaving here until you do it for me because the power is in your hands. People make those kind of mistaken oh, statements all the time. And you don't think they believe because it's a Seyret Tzaynecha, Keret Tzaynecherim, Keret Tzaynecha, that since no. their Ratzin and the Rabbani Shalom's Ratzin is one, when they want something, it's as if the Rabbani Shalom wants it. You know, you have to be a little bit of a tabachachem and a little bit of a thinker to understand. If you're simple people, sometimes do not understand that. They have to be taught, yes. We have to teach them the right way to govern. If you don't teach them, they won't know. A lot of simple people think that it's within the power of the individual to change their fate. That has to be corrected, that's all. Yeah. Here's an interesting tefillah that uh, they say by the caver of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechai. Mm-hmm. It sounds like this. Kum tzadik hakodesh oyrachai reb shimon ban yechai v'chaleinu pnei keil v'chaneinu daven for us v'yamtzenu v'varcheinu. Right. Or another one, another tefillah. Kum chasidik hadisha kodesh kadashim ant reb shimon ban yechai kum ubakish rachmem meyavinu shabashamayim. So your point right. is, is that you never find that they're doing it on their own. It's always as sort of agents for the rabbanish shalom. Right. Okay. Yes. So, so, so then, when people go to these kvarim of these tzaddikim, right? Certainly, you see that by chesidim. I mean, they and they mispal directly to the rebbe. Basically, what they're saying is, you have you are so power, and you're such an incredibly powerful place up on high. Please 
what can you affect for me? That's what they're being mispal. And you're saying that there's a big body from the Gemara and the Rishonim that say that they're allowed to do that. Yes, there is certainly opinions allowed to do that. The Minchas Elazar has a famous truth about this, and he proves that this is okay. And uh, like you say, there are a lot of tefillahs that were made many years ago in the Sefer Man Elashen and another storm that indicate that that was the mimic. Right, four hundred years ago, we actually that that the minute goes like that. So we can't say that it's usher. We can say it's a but, dispute. But, and... but but let me let me ask you if the following statement is true, Abenus, that the pashtus of the Gemaris and its many Gemaris, cite that twice in Tainus, Baba Metzia, Sanhedrin, etc., all seem to imply that you can. Right, etc., etc. The first problem mentioned, and it's a thousand years later, is in the Rambam and Hulk's Oval. Is the first one who yeah. seems to imply that you can. So it's well after the uh, the Gemara. The Safri says very clearly that you can. Right, the Pis- uh, I, I have a. A lotion of the Safri, the same thing. Lashon Azayir Kaddish, also you can. So the opposition to it really starts a thousand years later with the Rambam. And it's really an opaque Rambam, the Rambam in Hulchus Oval, where it says, Hatzadikim ein boinu lehem nefesh al kivrei seyem. Divrayim haim zechreinim. And then Ram says, very mysterious lotion, Lo yifane adam levakir hakfaris. person shouldn't turn to the... Which the Mepharshim struggle to understand what they But that's really the first inkling that there's an Issa. And then it comes the Maril, and the Maril is ready in the 14th hundreds, right? So it's yes. it's it's a thousand years after the Gemara, basically, that you have the first one who says, uh, he says, you're not supposed to, right? It's, it, it's, so it's it's thousand years after the Gemara, but you have Rishonim, the Drosh Haran says, here's a lotion of the Sefer Chassidim. Hanoya yesh lemesim sh'oyavim sh'holchem al-kevreim u'mevakshim al-nishmosam toiva u'metiva begam kishem mevakshim mehem from the mesim he mispalim al-achayim v'kalav ben yifuna. So I want to just ask you, isn't it like hamoitzi mechaveri olavariah? I would just ask, when you have five Gemaras, you have a Drosh Haran, you have a, you have a, Sefer Hasidim, uh, you have etc. And the first inkling is really the Maril, based on maybe a, 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 not a very an opaque Rambam. And Mishnah in Hilchas in Hilchas Rosh Hashanah says that you can't. In Hilchas Tishabav he says you can. Isn't it a little bit like hamoitzi mechaveri olavariah, like the the the, the 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 mass body of of, of certainly of, of Chazal seem to say that you can. There's nowhere that it says you can. And then we start later generations trickling in. And yet, by many of Klal Yisrael, certainly by the Litvish Islam, it's the Skabal Natu. So hasn't it sort of taken like a, a U-turn almost? No, I don't think so. I think okay. that in the early generations and all the sources that talk about it, you have to understand it. In other words, the, 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 it was obvious to everybody in the early generations that you can't directly address the mace. They're not allowed to. That's, that they understood that as a double posture. Well, they said, In other words, it means the schus avoisai, I'm davening to Hashem, and I'm using this avoisai as a manifestation, as a schus, like everything else that I do. This is part of the mice and titan. They understood that intrinsically. I mean, it certainly doesn't sound like he, he certainly, and he brings Kalu Ben Yifuna as his source. He's certainly not yeah. learning that way in the Gemara. 
Okay, I, I, you know what? They have to. I don't know about that. It seems like they understood that they're governing the schus the mace, and they're asking the mace to intercede. It could be that they understood it that way. And look, and there's different ways of interpreting the Gemara, and uh, I don't know. It could be that the fact that nobody spoke about it before it could be they understood it intrinsically the other way, and then after people misunderstood it in their opinion, they had to clarify it. It could also be like that. <laughs> Uh, this is a, look in the Gemara itself. There are two opinions because the Gemara says one opinion reason why to go to a caver is to remember your mentality. Right. The Gemara itself and Titus. So in the Gemara itself, it's a debate. And there's the Manda Allah that holds that it's there to remind you of your mentality, which the Gemara says means that you can even go to a caver of a guy. Which is Bron Right. Right. So certainly that he didn't hold that you should have him there. It could be that's part of the whole debate. But, but, but that could be the in the Chazal. No, he maybe he held like the guy, and you're not supposed to go to a cave or at all. Could be, or he held that even, or he held that even if you go, you shouldn't have him. It could but, be both interpretations yeah, of that mandom. It could be, but I'm saying, but the lashonis of the Gemara is kedei sheyevakshu aleinu meisim rachmim. A few times in the Gemara, it certainly sounds simple reading. In that, okay, according to that unless, opinion, unless uh, Rabbi knew that it's it's over generations, then Maril felt that it's getting misinterpreted, and they're davening right. people on Maratzim, right. and they're davening to the Mesim, not that they should intercede. But but my point right. is only that the simple reading, even though it's today, like you know, if you would ask most litfisher, they would say you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to. But it, it, right. the the big body of halacha and certainly precedes it that you would be allowed to. That's that's my only point. But, but it's true. But the classic place can generally go like the lesson of the Mishnah and the Chassidushana and the and they go by that. That, that. that is the way it's become accepted. Okay. And that's our tradition, you know. But there are other traditions. Everybody can do it. It's Nahara, Nahara, Pashte. Everybody has upon whom to rely here. But what about pregnant women going to a Beisach forest? There are no halachic sources that say that pregnant women cannot go to Beisach forest. There is, there is not any. It is true that by people, it's 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 believed that way. I've been asked that many times, and people have such thoughts. But there is no source, not any source, that says that it's also to do. And uh, it could probably, where it came from is, probably, and if you ask me what I think, uh, we know from sources, and probably it's also medically true, a pregnant woman shouldn't become anxious shouldn't become nervous, shouldn't become overly emotional. And generally, when a person goes to a basic especially if it's a relative, especially somebody they're yeah, close to, right. they become emotional and become anxious. So it became an advisory that, you know, if you're pregnant, don't go there. Right. And after a while, the advisory became like an issue, which happens a lot of times in, in Yiddish and Messiah. That's right. probably what happened. But there's no indication, there's no source. Any woman that asks me, I say, if you're okay to go, if you feel okay to go, go. Uh, and I, w- I would add on to Rabbi Nusa to what you're saying is that the um, you know the primagodim brings the mana lasha and primagodim was you know what is it, a few hundred mm-hmm. years ago three hundred years ago uses the mana lashon which is probably four or five hundred years ago as a source and if you look in the mana lashon one of the tefillas in the mana lashon is a tefillah for an isha muberes alakfarim. Mm-hmm. Which would which mm-hmm. would back up what you're saying that certainly halachically yeah. there would be no reason it's more of a common sense thing and well, the, we find a whole debate in the Paiskin whether Aisha's Kayin is right. in the Beris is the right Yeah, the clearly there's no halachic issue involved. Yeah, it's all about a common sense issue. Let me ask you: the, the Shulchan Aruch brings that you're not about to lay Kriyashma by Beisak Faris because it's Loig Larash. So the question is, people, you see people by, you know, I went to, a guy came collecting for the coil next to Kevara, in Kevarachal, in Kevarachal. So the question is, 
I was curious, uh, you know, could you set up a coil and you're not allowed to learn Kriya Shema because it's like Lurash to learn, you know, Bavli or Shalmi should certainly be a problem. Right. Uh, what do you say? How logically is there a problem with that? You know, the Bakibet the, Sadiqim is considered an exception because there's, there's talk about it. And the Mikhas Allah himself talks about learning in this, in this in a davening, because today they have, they have davening there. They have minyanim in Miron. They have minyanim by, uh, I don't know, by Shailik. Wherever they go today, they have, uh, they put on, put on filling, wear talis, they learn. So the Mikhas Allah and the Tzitz both say that this does not apply to Kibbutz and Nikim. It only applies to a general cemetery. That will only work if the cavern of the tzaddik is not part of the general cemetery, such as such as Miron. But if it's part of the general cemetery, then it's for sure also. So the the other places, let's say where they go, and I I, I, I haven't been to either uh, to mm. Uman or to Karastir or where they make these minyanim. You're saying that these, I guess, are separated from the from the cemetery. Right. I haven't never been in Uman either. I'm not planning to go, but I believe that in Uman it's only the rebbe there, and I don't think anybody else is buried. Okay, let me ask you a, a, a question that uh, uh, I have seen a Kaihanim go to uh, the caver of, of, of the go to Miron, they go to Kaver Rachel, because they say, you know, and they say that they Kruchayim, right? Yeah. As a Rav, what would you say to that? No, if anybody would ask me, I would say you can. You've seen it? You've actually seen it? I've actually seen Kaihanim go it, and he said, I'm Saimachan, I'm Bimisasim Nikruchayim. Yeah, Tyson's big down, Rabbeinu Chaim Cohen was Metan himself to his Rebbe, the Rabbeinu Tam, because of right. his father. Right. But it's not acceptable halacha. At least not by the majority of us. Because I would imagine there's somebody to rely on. But if somebody would ask me, I would say, absolutely not. And it's never been part of our tradition. Never. The Chafetz Chaim was buried in a way that uh, <laughs> at the edge of the cemetery because... Uh, uh, you know, the kind of, it's it's just not it's not part it's not what not what our place can say. I'm sure there's somebody that you can rely on, but it's not general halacha. That's standard halacha. Well, Rabbi Neustadt, it's always an honor to have you, and thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Kalta.